Hi, my name is John Black. I'm the CEO of Aldebaran Resources. We're an exploration group that specializes in identifying uh, projects that have potential to be very large copper or copper gold deposits. To capture those projects, drill them out, de-risk the projects, and show the potential for them to be a large mine, and then ideally position ourselves to monetize those by selling the project to a, to a major mining company. We effectively replace the exploration divisions of major mining companies. It's a pretty exciting time to be having a business model like this as copper has just taken off and will continue to take off over the foreseeable future. So it's an outstanding time to, to put your hands on a great project. And uh, today, I'm sure we'll talk about our Altar project in, in central Argentina. It's a pretty exciting project that we're uh, just, just getting ready to launch a pretty major drill program on. Great. John, good to meet you. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, this is the first time we've met. You, you normally sit and um, speak to Matt, but I'm something different for you today. Oh, that's great. It's good, good to catch up. It sounds like we've uh, worked some of the same ground in the past before. So Yeah, and I've um, bumped into uh, Kevin Heather. Kevin Heather, the rock doctor a few times um, around the bars of um, of Toronto when at PDAC time, but I always end up having a good conversation about the geology when I'm with him. Great. Excellent. So, Aldebaran, Altar, you've just started drilling. Um, before we get into the kind of the nuts and bolts of what your kind of 2021-22 program is, can you just give an overview of um, where the resource is in terms of its kind of evolution and its understanding of the size of the resource and the, and the deal that you're, um, or, or the route to you getting 100% of this project? As I mentioned, we're a group that um, really kind of specializes in trying to find these large copper, copper to gold deposits. They tend to be porphyries. Uh, they don't have to be, but those, those tend to be the type of project we identify. Um, this is actually the third company within our same management team. Kevin Heather, who you know, and Mark Wayne, our CFO, have worked together on, on two previous ventures. Our, our first company was called Antares Minerals, where we had the good fortune to discover a large porphyry in southern Peru, which we sold the first quantum minerals for about $650 million. From that, we spun out Regulus Resources uh, to work in Argentina, but uh, identified an, an exciting opportunity in northern Peru called Anticori. So We've, from that, we spun out Aldebaran to focus on capturing the Altar project. So we're currently uh, working with Regulus Resources on the Anticori project in Peru and Aldebaran, which we'll talk about today, where we've put our hands on, a, on just an outstanding project called Altar. It's a little bit different. Each time when we look to try to find these big, big copper projects, um, they can be, be available in different ways. Sometimes they're held by a company that doesn't know what they have or needs to sell it for some reason. Sometimes there's a little bit of drill data and we see something that a previous operator hasn't seen. What was different about Altar was this is a project that at, at one point was pretty well known. It was drilled out by a company called Peregrine Minerals, another junior company run by Eric Friedland in the early 2000s. Uh, they drilled the project out and actually sold the project to Stillwater Mining in 2011 for $487 million US cash at the time. It was drilled out as a large deposit, over 100,000 meters of drilling, two big, two, two big porphyries that were known at the time. And it was, it was essentially following the same business model that we do, identify a project like this, drill it out, sell it to a major that would be likely to put it into production. However, the project um, was never a good match for Stillwater Mining. Stillwater was a platinum producer with a mine in, in Montana. Their shareholders were not terribly interested in having a large earlier stage copper development opportunity in South America, and it just stalled in Stillwater. So quite a number of us who were always scouting for these opportunities started to pester Stillwater to see if we could acquire the project. 
Um, they had paid quite a lot for it. They put a, quite a bit of additional money into it. In addition to the nearly 500 million they paid for it, they, they spent almost $50 million in additional work on the project. Um, they they um, were interested in, in disposing the asset, but not, not at a price that was attractive to those of us taking a look at. But the key, key break on this was, is that Stillwater was acquired by Sabanye Gold in 2018. Uh, to, to now become Sabani Stillwater. And when that happened, Sabani determined it was a non-core asset. It wasn't something they were interested in moving forward themselves. And they let all of us that were taking a look at the project um, submit indicative offers to see if, if we could come to an agreement. And the, the offer we made to them uh, resonated with them to, to move forward. And so we have an agreement that will allow us to earn up to an 80% interest in the project. And we can do so by... Uh, the first step was paying US $15 million, which has been paid to Savanya Stillwater. Um, we were now in a period of five years in which we need to expend three or commit or complete three, $30 million worth of expiration expenditures on the project to earn 60% interest in the project. Uh, we've spent about 17 million, a little over 17 million to date. So we're well on track. We have three more full field seasons to complete that. So we're, we're well on, on that pathway. And then in addition to the 20% interest that, that Savani will keep in the project, they also have a 19.9% equity position in, in Aldebaran. So the, the advantage to, to Savani Stillwater was they didn't receive the, receive the cash they put into the project previously on it, um, but they, they do have participation in the project through direct interest in the project and, and also in, in an equity interest in, in Aldebaran resources. Then there's one final step that we can go to a, to a, an additional 20% to get to an 80% interest in the project by completing an additional $25 million worth of expenditure. So it's a classic earn-in for us to, to go yep. forward and really a partnership with Sabani Stillwater. And this fits extremely well with a, with a battery metals initiative they have to, to gain further exposure into uh, metals that are critical for, for electrification um, that we'll see throughout the world in the in the coming years. Okay, thank you. That's that's really useful history for me. It's it's, it's filled in some gaps in my knowledge. Um, the the one question I've got was the um, <clears throat> Have you done a capital raise since 2018? And did they maintain their interest at 19.9? Yes, they do. They have pro rata rights, and and it's important for me to mention also that we have one other large shareholder called Route One. It's a it's a uh, fund hedge fund out of San Francisco who've backed our all of our enterprises over the years. Uh, they own nearly 50% of the company. So between the two major shareholders, we have nearly 70% of the company held in, in two hands, both with pro rata rights and both very keen on moving the project forward. They've participated in every raise that we've done. And so it's effectively controlled by these two major shareholders in the sense that um, you know, you've got a, a relatively small free float. Absolutely. Yes. That's that's the, the good description of us. Yes. Okay. Interesting. The first word that comes to mind when you do any research about um, Altar is arsenopyrite or arsenic. When I when I looked at the, the project, you've got Altar Central, you've got Altar East, you've got new discoveries at QDM and um, radio, and uh, you've got epithermal gold potential, and you've got super gene stuff. It's a complex... Um, it's a complex suite of assets um, with the arsenic in the main bulk of the porphyry. You've got 1.2 billion tons of, of, of rock, of which um, there's, there's a certain proportion of, of arsenic in there. Now, um, when you look at the valuation of uh, Alderbrand, it's only $70 million, and yet you've got these, you've got 
I don't know, you've got 280 million tons of supergene mineralization. You've got 500,000 or 400,000 ounces of gold in the, in the epithermal. And it's relative to the, the, um, the complexity of the situation, the kind of the, and the, yet the mineral potential doesn't seem as if the, the market is rewarding you as a company for the assets you've got. Um, so my question, I guess, is how are you communicating the arsenic issue to um, investors and to the free float and to the kind of the market in general? And, and how does that fit into the bigger picture in your plans going forward? Okay, a couple of themes in there that we can we can touch on it, but let's let's hit directly on the arsenic. Uh, this project, when it when it was held by originally by Peregrine Metals and and then when Stillwater acquired the project, it was known in the market to be a very large deposit. Um, they, they actually bulked it out even more than we do and took it to over 2 billion tons. But when they bulked it out at that size, it became low grade and it had arsenic associated with it. Mm. And they, they just assigned an average arsenic grade to the entire deposit. Uh, despite all the drilling that was done, one of the things that surprised us when we took a look at this was is there's, there, there, there was a lot of work done by just setting up and drilling the deposit out. But fundamental data sets like surface geologic maps or geophysical data sets or, or careful logging of the core hadn't really been completed. So a lot of what we did over the first two years in the joint venture was just collect those basic data sets. And that allowed us earlier this year to recast the resource. So we, we mm. actually uh, presented the resource as a smaller, still very large, as you mentioned, over 1.2 billion tons and in, in indicated and in, in another 200.2 billion tons and in, in inferred. Um, but that's about half the size of what it originally was projected at. But it brings it to a more uh, typical grade that we'd see for a porphyry like this in, in the Andes. And more importantly, what it allowed us to do with an improved geologic model was to better constrain where the arsenic occurs. There is arsenic in the deposit. It tends to be up high in the deposit. And, and previous efforts blended it throughout the entire deposit. So we see distinct zones where it is. And by using geologic constraints, we're better able to estimate the, the grade and the distribution of the arsenic. And so we've shown it to be less of a problem than it was originally envisioned. And it's very much restricted to the upper parts of the deposit, um, including the, the zones that have supergene enrichment. So it opens up possibilities. For example, we could consider SXCW heap leaching of that supergene zone, which um, when, you, when you use SXCW heap leaching, you produce copper cathode on site and the arsenic isn't an issue because you're not producing a, 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 a concentrate where your arsenic reports to. And so it, it, there are, we can see we don't have a definitive pathway forward yet. We're still gathering the information on this, but we can see ways to manage around that. We're also understanding a lot more about arsenic in, in the world, particularly helped by a number of major companies that are monitoring us and, and providing us with information just to understand what the markets are for arsenic, how it can be blended, how it could be handled with, with less costly ways than having to, to put treatment on site. So there, there's, uh, there's a lot being learned about it right now. And we think it's a much more manageable, but the fundamental uh, key to this is understanding it, to put in that, that good geologic work. And that's where Kevin, Heather, and the team come in really strongly on this. And, and I'd make reference to several of the videos we have on our website where Kevin walks through the, the rationale for collecting the, the big data sets we do and why we do this. 
It means it's been kind of quiet. We're a little bit off the map. And I don't think the market fully realizes what we have in hand and what we potentially have. But I think we'll unlock that in the next few months here. Thank you. Again, it's really useful information for me. Um, the, the, arsenic, the, the arsenic, is it in arsenopyrite? And when you're in the sulfide, when you're in the fresh rock, does that not separate out? Can't you float it away from the, the chalcopyrite um, and produce a clean copper con? It's actually in a, in a porphyry system like this, it's Energite or, or other sulfur salts. So it's not arsenopyrite that we have. Okay. Um, it, and so it's a little bit different in the sense that you do have copper tied up with the, the sulfur salt minerals. So you don't want okay. to float it away because you lose the copper with it. So, right. but much of it's oxidized in the upper, in the super gene zone, in the top part of the deposit, it, the Energite has been oxidized. And so now we see scorodite or other oxide arsenic minerals which don't report to your con. So. And also don't report for leach if, you, if you're putting it into a SXCW plant. Correct, yes. yes. And the, depth, exactly. the, depth, the oxidation depth is, um, does it vary? I mean, what, what, when you, on your secondary mineralization, have you got, I, I noticed that you had some primary chalcocyte, which is um, um, pretty impressive, but do you have secondary kind of high, um, super gene chalcocyte? Have you got a kind of an enrichment blanket at the base of oxidation? At the base of oxidation, it's kind of a classic uh, um, secondary enrichment zone. So we have up to 100 meters, a little more in places of, of completely leached material, an oxide cap over the top of it. And, and then we have a, a secondary zone, which is primarily secondary copper sulfides. It's, it's not too much oxide in there. Um, but the secondary primary or the secondary sulfides do leach. So that's, that opens up that possibility for us to explore. And the depth of oxidation varies a little bit. There are fault, fault blocks and that move it around a little bit and each, each zone is slightly different. And in the, in the technical report that came out in March, uh, in the mineral resource update, it, it says it recommended um, that you continue with heat bleach studies. Is that part of the, you know, um, and I think in one of your videos, you you were kind of putting a question mark that you might go on and study these things. You know, how, what's what are the gating factors for you to say yes, we do want to study this? So, sorry, maybe not a heat bleach, but um, well, I, I can't remember. But you know, the 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 super gene mineralization. When when what are the gating factors on you? saying, we, yes, we're going to study this as a standalone. Well, it brings up an interesting point just on our overall strategy. We've really talked um, about the existing resource, which, which occurs in three zones. It's two large porphyry systems. Like, like many porphyry deposits, this is actually a cluster of porphyries. And so the, the bulk of the resources of the, and all of the copper resources we report occur in the, in the, in the Altar Central and Altar East deposits, the two big porphyries we have right now. And then we have a small gold resource out in QDM to the west. Um, but we have other zones that have been identified that uh, we think have potential to be a, a, perhaps even more interesting than what we already know about. So what we're really focusing on um, and as the start of this program is a new zone called Radio, which is out closer and beneath the QDM zone. And there we, we see very clean mineralization with no arsenic and, and quite elevated gold contents and some of our best hypogene grades to date. So we're, we're very much interested in drilling that out and understanding it'll be a third major center of copper gold mineralization that we have. And we want to understand that what we're, we're really trying to do is understand the entire district, the entire system um, before we focus in on just one. We don't know that we see the best part or the starting point on the project yet. And so we want to know more about all of these zones. We'll progress with questions like metallurgy on both the primary and the secondary mineralization. 
but um, but we won't determine what the best pathway forward on the project is until we see the the full picture. Right, and when you when you talk about the radio uh, porphyry, uh, last year the, one of your best holds was um, hold forty two, which I think was into the into the radio porphyry. When I, I couldn't just can you just um, remind me when that was done? You know, was it quite late in the program that that hole came through? Yeah, it was it's the last hole we've reported, and what what. Um, as I mentioned, the project was known as a very large but lower grade um, porphyry system when, when it was drilled out by Peregrine and held by Stillwater. But as Stillwater um, kind of quietly did exploration work on this in the period of about 2014 to about 2017, it was, it was a project that didn't fit with them. It was kind of an albatross to them in some ways, but they were continuing to do work. Um, the drill results from that work were not publicly reported. It was not deemed to be a material project for them. But um, we began to hear about it. As, uh, you've worked in South America. There's, you know how uh, we all as geos get together and have beer nights once a month or something like that. And oftentimes those are accompanied with a presentation about a project that somebody's working on. And, and the people who we knew well that were working at Altar um, started presenting some exciting new drill results that they had from the project. And they didn't fit this idea of very, very low grade deposit. They, they were announcing uh, runs of you know, 100 meters of over 1% copper equivalent. And those, those type things started to catch our eye. And that's why we took a look at the deposit. So the reason that we entered into this, this joint venture, I think it could be justified just on the, on the large deposit that's known right now. But what we're particularly interested in is the remaining expiration potential. And so we, we saw the first few holes that Stillwater had drilled into what they called the QDM radio zone and drilling beneath the QDM gold deposit and hitting the radio, radio porphyry underneath. And they had some pretty good indications that there were higher than normal grades in there, uh, different style of mineralization, very clean, very gold rich copper mineralization. And, uh, and we followed up on that while we were putting together these big data sets. And, and 42 was a step out from a previous hole, hole 34, that had hit some pretty good mineralization in there. And it demonstrated we had size potential and we had that grade potential. Hole 42 has a, an inner, inner zone of 111 meters of 1.4% copper equivalent within a, within a much broader zone of, of, of very nice grade as well. And so that opens up the potential for a brand new zone of significant volume. The grades offer the potential for it to be either open pit if we, if we get enough of it or to go bulk underground on it as well. And so we very much wanna know what this, what this zone is about. And um, you know, we've just launched our, our first really aggressive drill program. Uh, our work to date has been basic data compilation and, and understanding of the system with a little bit of orientation drilling to, to get our hands around things. But this, this will be the first field season that we drill hard. And a lot of that focus is, will be on that radio zone, uh, just because we think it has potential to, to emerge as, as, as one of the better parts of the overall district, perhaps the starting point for the district. I think it's Kevin who's done the, the, the geology of QDM 42. He's kind of, he did a talk through of that hole and I think um, hole uh, 21 as well, 219, sorry. He described that the, you had the kind of the, the radio porphyry here and then there's a fault and next to it, but deeper is um, is the QDM porphyry below the QDM gold deposit, and they they seem to be close, separated by a fault, possibly two different systems, possibly the same. Lots of questions, lots of kind of conjecture around the the origin of of that mineralization. They looked quite uh, narrow and pensely. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that there's the opportunity to kind of bulk those out? 
uh, laterally to to add tons to those to kind of give give a bit more lateral heft to those um, to, to that kind of that unit or perhaps it's just a scale thing that, that what looks skinny isn't actually in real life. One one of the things that um, is unusual about Altar, particularly for the neighborhood we're in, there there are quite a number of of porphyry deposits and on both sides of the of the Chilean Argentine border where we're at. And, um, but the majority of them in the southern part of San Juan province where we're at are copper or copper moly deposits, more typical Andean copper porphyry systems. But Altar, for some reason, has an unusually high gold content to it. It's, it's more akin to the, the copper gold systems we're seeing, say, up at Filo or Jose Maria in the northern end of the province and, and up into the Maracunga belt. And one of the things that we see commonly on these more gold-rich copper systems is they tend to have a high vertical aspect ratio. They're pencil or pencil-like deposits. And so that is a challenge on the deposits, but they do have much better grades. A classic uh, district to take a look at is the Cadia district in, in southeastern Australia, where they, they have these pencil-like systems. Once you're onto them, they're very good grades. They're a little bit hard to, to find because they're vertical and you're often drilling vertical holes into them, but we're fortunate now that we, we, we have one. As far as whether QDM and radio are the same porphyry or not, we, we will learn a lot about that as we, as we drill more extensively. The, the QDM copper gold zone is right beneath a gold only system on the surface and, and was found by, by drilling beneath that and, and moving from a more of an epithermal gold system into to a more typical copper copper gold porphyry system. Um, there, there's a fault that separates that from the radio zone, but they're um, in a mining sense, they're the same, they're, they're contiguous uh, across that boundary. Um, we don't know yet, they do appear to be different pulses, but we, we don't know if they're significantly different in age or not. So it's more, more of a geologic curiosity detail for us as geologists. Uh, in a mining sense, it's really kind of the same body as we know it right now. But we don't have a lot of holes into this yet. It's, it's going to be fun to drill it out. I would point out that um, these, these copper gold systems, this, uh, there are other ones. Like if you take a look at uh, the, the system that GT Gold um, discovered in, in Western Canada recently and, and mm -hmm. sold to, to Newmont, very mm -hmm. similar geometry on that, where you, you get these cores where you have these higher grade copper gold and then, and then you have a lower grade cloud around them. Uh, the, the classic one, which I'm, I'm sure you're quite familiar with, would be Cascabel in, in northern Ecuador, where it's, it's, it's also a, a fairly vertical system on that, but with grades that support bulk underground mining. And yeah. so you, you have that great high-grade core to it, and then, and then you have a lot of material. And it depends what cutoff you use, how, you, how much volume you pick up around the outer margins. And I don't want to get too geologically techie, but um, are you seeing kind of different magma um, rock geochemistry? Is this a more calc alkaline system than perhaps the uh, alkalic systems in Alta and um, Central? East, central and east, or are you seeing that shift in the ge rock geochemistry? We're just really getting into that with some help of some researchers and some of the Argentine universities have some students helping us take a look at this. But what we suspect in this system is that we're more oxidized than normal. It's, it's still a calc alkaline system. We're not alkalic or anything like that on it, but probably verging a little bit in that direction. And that's a tendency yeah. we see overall in the Andes. So it, it fits 
fits kind of the typical more gold rich uh, system that we see in other segments. It's for some reason, this one is, is the southernmost of, of these in, the, in this part of the Andes. Really interesting. You said that you're going to do, um, you know, this next season is your biggest drilling program. Can you outline roughly in terms of dollars, meters, and kind of where the thrust of that effort goes into? Is it kind of QDM pull-free, um, QDM and radio um, in terms of meters? And you've, there are also some other new targets you'll be testing in the area as well, I believe. So just kind of quantums, please. I'll give the, the, the high level of this. I'd make reference to a video that Kevin's put out that Laura's helped him put together uh, recently. It's on our website where the, he goes into more detail on, on the rationale and the strategy behind the drilling. But they're really, uh, we'll be drilling with four rigs. We currently have two turning and another one should show up next week. And, and the, third, the fourth one will be here probably just on the other side of, of the holidays. On it, it's, it's, as an aside, it's really hard to get rigs in Argentina right now. There's, there's just San Juan is is going to be just a fun place this summer. A lot of a lot of activity on with with other pretty exciting projects around us. Um, the the drilling will our drilling will really have three principal focuses. Um, the main emphasis will be on on completing the drill out of the radio or radio QDM system. So we want to get enough drilling in that that we can report an initial resource. Our current resource has, has nothing that's reported on the copper gold side from radio or radio QDM. It, uh, we just didn't have enough drilling in that to, to calculate a resource when we did the resource last year or earlier this year. Um, so we want to get enough drilling in that to be able to give the first indication of, of what we have. So that'll be the focus of our drilling over the, over the next six months or so. But then we also have two other styles of drilling. Go ahead. Sorry, um, do you know roughly how many meters you're kind of allocating mentally for that? Is it 10,000 meters, 5,000, 15? We're, we'll be drilling with four rigs. We typically get an average of about 1,800, 900 to 1,000 meters per rig. And um, we've, we've been able to extend our field season significantly here. Traditionally, the field season for drilling on this project has really been kind of January to April. Um, and it's not so much the conditions on the projects, it, it is that we had to go through two high mountain passes to get to the project, and those were often blocked with snow. Um, this year, a major change for us is that um, Glencore, who has the Pachon project 25 kilometers to our south, cut in a new low elevation road to, to their project, and that eliminated one pass, and then we completed another segment uh, to eliminate the second pass. So we anticipate, uh, we're, as I mentioned, we already started drilling. We started drilling around the 1st of November this year, and we anticipate we'll be able to drill through May or maybe even June of this year. So um, with that number of rigs, we have the capacity to drill in, in the order of, say, 25,000 meters of drilling. Um, this this coming season, which is a significant jump for us on the project. So it's a thousand meters per rig per month, or nine hundred. Let's call it nine hundred per month. It depends. Uh, uh, probably more on the quality of the drillers than anything else right now. It's a it's a project that does drill um, relatively well compared to some some projects, and so that that's a pretty reasonable number to use. Yeah. Um, so that'll be with four rigs. That's between three and a half thousand and four thousand meters per month, Correct. and. Um, are you going to put all four rigs on, on you know, how, how, how are you going to tackle radio QDM? Are you going to put two rigs on and then one rig on the pit and one rig on new targets? As I mentioned, there are two other, tar two other priorities we have on this. Um, we're, we're the known zones at, at east and central right now, uh, particularly at depth, we see high-grade cores there. They bulk out to these bigger um, sort of average-grade deposits. 
but we see these high-grade cores that we'd like to understand more. They're open in several directions. So we'll be looking for extensions of the higher-grade portions of the two known big deposits right now. And then we also, through the, the compilation uh, and the acquisition of all these data sets we have, uh, we've, we've seen some entirely new, completely untested zones jump out in the data sets. And, and we want to get those first, the first holes into some of those as well. We, we believe there's potential for, for completely undiscovered porphyry centers still to, still to be found. So we'll probably mix the rigs. It gets a little tight over in, in radio to have all four rigs in the, in the same place. And it'll be nice to, to balance out and test some of these other areas. Um, Kevin goes through, um, we, we, the one missing piece of data we have on the project is a deep 3D I, IP survey that we're, we're completing. We've, com we've completed over about a half of the deposit, including the radio area. Uh, we wanna complete that over the Eastern half of the, of the known areas of mineralization. Early, early in January and February, and we'll, we'll probably wait to get that data before we, we do more of the drilling off on the east side of the, of the district. Okay, so you'll, you'll truck on with two rigs, maybe put a third on radio um, and um, QDM. Um, and then once you've got the 3D geophysics to help you just finalize the location for the new targets and for the high-grade extensions in, the, in central and east, then you'll allocate rig to, to each of those. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and if you are you funded for this, I mean, so it's, um, what, what's your cash position, and you know, um, what, what what's your drill cost per meter, kind of all in, you know, twenty five thousand yeah. meters, six months. We we launched the drill program in November with about seven million dollars in treasury, so we're in pretty good shape cash wise that way. Uh, drilling costs are are a little bit high in Argentina. Um, all in costs probably $400 a meter is a good number to use on a, on a project like this. That includes assays and, and all the core, all the, all the things that are related yeah, to the, 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 the full number. And, yeah. And we do have some other activities on, on environmental baseline studies and metallurgical work and stuff that are going on. So um, we, to, to drill hard all the way through next June, we will need to raise some additional capital at some point. But it's, we're not in an urgent position to do that right now. And we do believe that um, not a lot of people know about this project yet. And so we kind of like to get the word out on what we're doing, have people see, see what's happening on the project, maybe table some of the first results before we, we go to market on, on that. But it, at some point, we're, we're likely to raise some additional cash and, and try to accelerate the project as it moves forward. Yeah, I mean, just the, the simple maths of $400 per meter and 25,000 meters takes you to 10 million and you've got seven. So uh, yeah, um, uh, that, that's, that's quite clear. But um, all you need is a banger of... Um, of a drill hole, you just come on, um, all come on, John. All we need is a thousand meters at one percent copper and one gram gold. There we go. It's it's interesting what the market expects out of these projects <laughs> these days, and and we've had. Uh, yeah, I'm sure sure you followed Philo to the north of us, where they've just banged out some smoker holes up there on it. And uh, so these these projects, uh, they're, they're, we obviously can benefit from our own work, from people just being more aware of, of where we're at on this project. Uh, but as, as, our, as our neighbors are doing work as well, I think you'll see a tremendous amount of reporting coming out from, from San Juan in Argentina right now. Um, we, we heard the other day the estimates that there'll be over 40 rigs turning this field season between ourselves and, and other projects in our, in our neighborhood and a lot of drill information coming out. And, and it's, it's refreshing that Argentina, Argentina over the decades has been a little bit more complicated country to work in at times. 
And, um, but I think now as we're all kind of scouring around trying to find these big porphyries and, and they're harder to find, there are not too many of them left in the world. And the projections of copper usage means that we really have to accelerate our game on, um, on putting new mines into production on this. And there are quite a number of good copper plays in Argentina. Argentina has an opportunity to turn into a major copper producer. And the San Juan government and even at the national level are really, really getting onto this. So you'll see in the coming months that they'll be launching initiatives to encourage mining in Argentina, encourage major foreign investment. Uh, some of the projects in our neighborhood are a bit more advanced than us. And I think you'll see announcements that they're moving forward. And it creates a, a very exciting environment to be working in and draws eyes into the project so we can see. And when you look at that, you can see some of our competitors have have fantastic deposits and, and great valuations. But if you take a look at leverage, it's it's a good idea to spot a group like ourselves. It's a little bit off the map, and but sitting on a great asset. So the, the potential for us to increase percentage-wise, I would argue, is greater than some of the more well-known projects that have already had a pretty good run. Um, absolutely. Yeah, and everyone's looking for the, uh, the undiscovered gem. Um, specifically on Argentina, I, I, I've publicly been cautious about it over the years. It's really encouraging to see um, that some of the provinces are more favorable to mining. And I understand that there's a federal um, federal law that can be interpreted at the local level. What specifically should we look for as kind of um, affirmation that San Juan is taking things seriously? Is it fiscal stability um, agreement with a, with a developer? Is it a mining permit? You know, what, what can we in, as a general public, hang our hat on to say, oh no, San Juan are not just making the right noises, but actually making concrete steps. Is there anything that you can see coming up that could give viewers confidence in San Juan province in Argentina? Well, I think that as a first indication, just the level of activity, as I mentioned, there's just going to be a tremendous amount of drilling in the area. Um, ones to watch really for the two more advanced projects that are in the province at the, at the moment are, are Filo and Jose Maria, both Lundin companies that, that hold those projects in the north. And particularly the Jose Maria project is, is moving along pretty well on their permitting. And um, they've, they've just um, announced they're constructing an all season road into that project. And, and take watch to see what the government does to help them um, Increase or improve the timeline towards that coming into development. Um, they, they've made some concessions to allow them to recover the cost for the road to come in against early production royalties, which is a fantastic move forward. But if we start to see their, their advanced permits being approved, if we start to see tax stability agreements on that, uh, the type of agreements that, that mean the government really wants to have that project into production. We know they do. They're saying all of that. It's nice to see it come in, in concrete um, moves like that. Yeah. And I believe what we'll see is some of the, some of the initiatives that the government's talking about now is even um, putting out public licitations for major infrastructure development in the country. There's some discussion about encouraging uh, foreign investment to improve uh, railway access out to the East Coast, which would have importance, not, not just for mining, but for agriculture and everything else, somehow to, to, to move commodities out to open water to be able to, to get those to other places in the world are pretty important. Uh, we've recently seen, a, it's not directly mining related, but we've recently seen Fortescue announce a, a green hydrogen project uh, in, in the southern part of the country, the windy part of the country, so they can use wind power to, to generate um, production of, of hydrogen. 
And, and they're talking about potentially as much as, as an $8 billion investment for that. So those, those type of announcements, uh, uh, whether they're mining related or infrastructure related or, or just large foreign investment in, in the country are, are all great news for us. Um, the, the, the fiscal challenges Argentina's had over the years have sometimes made people hesitant to make foreign investment, particularly in large amounts into the country. And I, I think we're seeing a shift in that right now. So any, any projects that are announced in, in that sense will will just encourage people to, to move forward. Great. Well, I will certainly look out for those telltale signs because, I mean, it seems if it's on the move, but, you know, any corroboration will be really useful. And uh, Argentina is very much a sleeping giant that uh, it would be, it'd be great to see a minerals industry, you know, advance from where it is. Uh, in the country and, and, and thrive and flourish. Um, <clears throat> one last question, if I may. Uh, your gold, um, your gold area is that? Yeah. Are you going to do any work on that? Is that a side? You know, is that a bit of a distraction when you're looking for these big copper gold uh, porphyries? Um, have you got a plan for that? Was it just going to be going to park that for now and just see how you get on with the? deeper exploration? We're certainly well aware of it. It's um, between indicated and inferred, it's almost 600,000 ounces and it is it is open for expansion. Um, it's it's sub-gram, it's just a little bit less than a gram and it's predominantly sulfide mineralization. So um, it's not immediate clear that you could heat bleach it, which would be the advantage to, to a project of that size. So we view it as a small, small add-on. The, the real prizes that we're looking at are much bigger and, and more significant, but we're well aware of it. We kind of laugh if we had that as a separate project, it would almost justify our current market cap right now. Uh, but it, we'll, we'll spend some time, but it won't be a, a major priority. As we're drilling for QDM radio copper gold mineralization at depth, we complete additional drill. We have to drill through that zone and sometimes to, so it will be adding more information and we'll, we'll probably, you know, there's a chance we'll increase the size of it, but it's not, not particularly high priority. Not that because it's not interesting. It's just overall uh, it's, it's, small it's, yeah. compared to the big project. Yeah. Great. Um, and uh, I said that was my last question, but actually water. Um, uh, what's the water situation at Altar and uh you know, how, how is that going to develop as, the, as time goes on? It is something that we'll be putting more priority into this year to understand. And I'm, I'm sure all of our neighbors are doing so as well. It, uh, we're, we're in the, in the central Andes, so it's, it's high and dry there. It, um, there's not, not a lot of water that falls. There is capture of water on the east side. The, the west side, the Chilean side of the Andes tends to be much more dry. And on the east side, we see in a number of the basins, uh, large water reservoirs in those basins. But there is competition for that water too, um, between ourselves and other mine, mining groups. And, and there, there's agricultural use downstream. So they're very conscious of that water. So I think we'll all be investigating where the water occurs and, and how you can secure water sources as well. And, and eventually I'm, I'm certain there'll be some um, discussions about whether um, large dams are, are necessary in the area or some, some way to capture water so you don't lose it when it comes off in the, in the, in the wet, wetter part of the year and it just run, runs out to sea. There'd be ways to store that water, which would be a benefit, not just to the mining, but it'd be a, a benefit for possible hydroelectric generation 
and and smoothing out the water availability for agricultural uses downstream. So, but that that's getting into when you're developing a project and how you're moving forward and and perhaps interaction with government on on doing things like that. But we'll we'll, we'll begin to take a look at that this year as we as we move into more feasibility type level activities. At the same time, we're we're still drilling the deposits out. And uh, the existing mines in the area, did, uh, what's their water situation like? You know, is that a critical item? Is that something that really is a gating issue um, for development or not? Not not clear yet, but it's a fair assumption anywhere in the Andes to to assume that water is a critical factor on this. So, and and there's not a lot that's published on on individual projects yet. That's something that we all kind of keep keep quiet. It's a bit competitive on that right now. So it uh, the work's going on. Some of the more advanced projects like NGX or, or FILO, you'll start to see mention of, of where, where they're securing water sources for. Good. John, thank you very much. Uh, what have I missed? Is there anything else that you feel the, the urge to communicate? No, I don't think so. It's just, uh, it's just for, for those investors that are bullish on copper, which I, which I think it's a very good thing to be bullish on right now, uh, going forward, uh, keep an eye on San Juan province uh, overall. There's going to be a lot of exciting news coming out from ourselves and a number of other interesting projects being drilled around on us. Uh, and, and when you do that, take a look at the projects themselves and, and see uh, not just which projects look more interesting grade-wise or size-wise, but, but particularly the ones that maybe haven't really come to limelight yet. And I, I would say Aldebron is a classic one where not a lot of people know about the project yet. We've been pretty quiet as we've done fundamental work on the project to get it set up. And as we put out a much more steady news flow of drill results this year and it comes to people's attention, I think there's a lot more leverage on a group like ourselves moving forward. So it's a, it's a great time to take a look at us before we start pounding out a lot of good drill results in the next few months. When do you and Kevin um, decide on which horse you're going to ride? Uh, well, you know, at what point do you say we're going with Regulus or we're going with Aldebaran or do you, do you kind of co-jockey both horses? Uh, this this is kind of who's your favorite child question here. So it, uh, the uh, we we manage both groups together. It was never our intention really to have two two companies at once, but once we identify these opportunities are are not common and they're increasingly difficult. Over the over the last couple of decades, you've seen a number of of big porphyries drilled out by juniors and sold to majors. Um, Ross Beatty's Lumina Copper Group's a master at it. They've done it six or eight times. Um, but it's harder for us to find these now. We're, we're just kind of cleaning the shelves on these. And so when the opportunity to acquire Altar came up, we, we jumped on it and it made most sense to separate it into two companies because there are those that really like Peru or those that really like Argentina. Um, a valid question was, does that stretch our team too much? But what we did is we, we were able to increase the size of our management team by putting on additional people to, to cover it. And I'm comfortable that we were in a good position to manage both companies. Uh, each one is, is a different setting, different challenges with it, um, but uh, there's we're, we're, we have plenty of depth. We also benefit, uh, we've been doing this for about 20 years in the Andes now, and we have outstanding local teams in both countries. So it's not dependent entirely on us doing, you know, we don't, we're not sitting in the rigs and, and doing everything ourselves. So we, we, can, we can depend on good, good staff on the ground to, to move these projects forward. And mo most of that staff have been through one of these exercises already and seen what it takes to drill a project out, what it takes to, to gather the information that's of interest to a major company. A lot of us focus on great drill holes or, or lots of tons or lots of in situ pounds, 
But if someone is to acquire a project from you, they're they're focused on metallurgy, water. A lot of the questions you're asking right now, can this be made into a mine? And that that's a lot of the work that needs to be done on projects like this. And our, our team's experienced at doing that and in a good position to move them forward. Let's see if the market uh, trusts you on that, because if you if you get good technical results um, in the next 12 months or the next drilling season, the next six months, and the share price doesn't kind of close that gap on some of those peers, um, it may be that the, the, the market is effectively saying we want we want management solely focused on one one project, but that's 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 months ahead, um, and it, that may not be the the, the silver bullet. Um, but you know, that, I'm sure that's a conversation that you have internally on a regular basis. Um, John, thank you very much. Uh, it's been it's been really interesting. Uh, let's leave it there. I look forward to um, uh, speaking to you again when you come back with that with that. Uh, director's hole, should we say, <laughs> and yep. uh, getting the update then. Okay, great. Fantastic, Merlin. It's a pleasure to meet you, and then look forward to talking more about the project in the few, next few months here.